to the Girls Get Off podcast, an R18 podcast on all things female pleasure. Think girl talk, but real girl talk, where we chat all things nasty, self-loving, sex, orgasms and more. Nothing is off limits, which means you get all the secrets, even our guests' BFFs don't know. We're on a mission to make talking about getting off as fun as actually doing it. Ready to join the Mastination? Let's get into it. Today, we are very lucky to be welcoming Kim Anami to the Girls Get Off podcast. She is the world leader in holistic sex and relationship coaching and practices. The Anami guarantee is that every woman can have multiple orgasms, clitoral, G-spot, and cervical, and hit the ceiling with her ejaculate. Every woman can shoot ping pong balls with her vagina. Every man can have sex for eight hours straight and be able to have separate orgasms from ejaculation. They just need the right tools. You may have seen her lifting objects with her vagina on Instagram, and if you've heard of the Yoni Egg, it's probably because of Kim. She's got more than 200k followers on social media, more than 2.5 million podcast downloads, and we are really looking forward to chatting with her today. So welcome to the podcast, Kim. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, and I love that you led with the Anami Guarantee. It's a great way to kick things off. I think it was easily the thing in your media kit that stuck out the most, because for any, for any woman in particular... Um, and we can only speak on behalf of women, but that just sounds like amazing. That's not, that's not something that we think everyone can do, and we know our listeners will be super interested in those topics. Yeah, I think that and um, Kung Fu Vagina also yeah. <laughs> stood out to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and because it's one of the common, you know, refrains out there in the world of sexuality is that some people can, some people can't, there's all this mystery around things. And so, and a lot of things people haven't even heard of, like vaginal weightlifting, or, you know, the idea that every woman can shoot ping pong balls, it's not just a novelty act, or that every woman can have a cervical orgasm. And some people don't even know that cervical orgasms are a thing. So it's, yes, a pleasure to dive deep into all these topics to show people what's really possible for them and for everyone. And before we do, I think Joe and I were chatting before this podcast, and we were like, how do you end up with this as your career? Like, how do you end up featured on all these major media outlets? Like, how do you just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to be a holistic sex expert? I, I wouldn't say it was a wake up one day and decide. It was in my own evolution. And so I've had a passion in growth and transcendence since I was a teenager, looking at how do people change? How do we self-actualize? How do we become the best versions of ourselves? And I've studied everything from transpersonal psychology, different philosophies, all manner of healing modalities, meditation, and sex was something that I had just spontaneously through my own discoveries found was this uplifting, consciousness altering, empowering, really centering experience. And so that, of course, went contrary to everything that we're generally taught about sex in our families, through the media, culture at large. And so it was just part of my own personal toolkit of ways that I use to find my equilibrium and to become the best version of myself. I found that through my vagina and through my orgasms. And then later on in my early 20s, I discovered Tantra and Taoism and found, oh, all right, look, there are these ancient cultures that 5,000 years ago were studying sex as medicine, sex as a pathway to enlightenment. And their framework of what sex is resonated much more with my own personal experiences of what sex is. And so 
all of that just got combined into what I do, where I call myself a holistic sex and relationship therapist. But all of this stuff that I've done through my whole life, where I've been the test subject through my own interest, have become the body of my work, where before I started to put my work out there, there was really two cidics in sex. You had like somebody wearing a lab coat and giving you a very clinical kind of version of why sex might be good for you, you know? <laughs> and then you had the opposite, this kind of Cosmo giggly, oh, I touched his willy, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh, like nine to nine ways to touch a willy, oh, it's so funny, like really kind of juvenile, really yeah. stupid rather, like version of sexuality, where I came in in the middle of that, of okay, holistic view of sexuality, but also sex can be sexy, right? isn't it supposed to be where both of those polarities actually didn't have the sexy in sex. It was almost asexual sex. And so, or a really superficial version of it. And so I was, you know, really empowered and impassioned about how sex changed my life. Sex has made me a better person. It's made me the person I meant to be through having these really deep, powerful, life altering sexual experiences. And that's what I use as a barometer for people is does sex leave you feeling energized, rejuvenated, transformed, ecstatic, and like it changed your life? And if not, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and like, that's not a judgment. It's just to say that sex is meant to give you energy. It's meant to revitalize you and heal you and center you rather than make you feel depleted or to be used as a easy way to have a nap, right? Like a, like a depletion of sexual energy. So that's one of my main messages is that sex is a power source and a superpower source. And we all ought to be tapping into it, right? This is our life force creative energy and if we're not making babies with it we can be creating everything and manifesting what we want in our lives via the creative power of our sexual orgasmic energy love it <laughs> that's so cool and I think it's fascinating that you started this process like quite young you said the second stage was kind of your early 20s so mm. that's amazing that's awesome how did the weightlifting fit into this and and did you come did you come up with this yourself <laughs> so look there's a couple of i'd say places to draw inspiration from one the idea of kegels you know most people have heard of the idea of kegels which is to in some fashion contract your vagina except that the one key point that's missing in most people's understanding especially even OBGYNs, is that the original kegel exercise designed by dr kegel in 1947 was meant to have of an object placed inside the vagina to create resistance and feedback. So just like any other weightlifting exercise, if you're pressing a weight, you've got that feedback and the resistance of the weight. If you're just air pressing, you're not really going to see any changes, right? And so the way that he used the exercise was to have this device called the Kegel perineometer inside, it, inside the vagina. The woman would contract and do exercises with it. And he had a 90% success rate in eliminating urinary incontinence. And then over time, other doctors adapted the exercise, except they left out the key point of using something inside the vagina. And so immediately the success tanked, right? People were still having these issues and 
latest, uh, latest but recent stats from the Yale University School of Medicine say that up to 60% of women have some kind of urinary incontinence and over 50% of women after childbirth have some form of pelvic organ prolapse where their organs are falling out of their body. So this is not normal. It's become normalized, but it's not normal. So that's telling us that whatever this sect of so-called medicine is doing is totally wrong. You know, it's like they're off the they're off the mark. So when I began teaching and doing workshops and working with clients and women would talk to me and they would be really kind of confessional, like, you know, my Kegels don't really work for me. And they thought there was something wrong with that. They thought they were like the only one this wasn't working for. And the more I heard this, I was like, they're not working for anyone, including me, right? Like I, you know, tried them and I was like, I don't know what these are supposed to do, but they don't seem to be doing anything. And it's like, I call it like, you know, randomly flapping your vagina in the wind, right? Like it's doing nothing to benefit you, right? It's like going to the gym, standing in front of the weight rack, doing a few jumping jacks and thinking, oh, I did an amazing workout. I'm a fucking legend, right? It's like, no, you're an idiot. You didn't do anything. So anyway, um, and then in the Taoist framework, they use a jade egg. So in 5,000 years ago, these courtesans in the ancient court, the emperor's court of China, were the purveyors of sexual wisdom and the teachers and the holders of this knowledge. And so they would use a jade egg to strengthen their own pelvic floor, to increase articulation in the vagina with the notion that the vagina is really meant to function like a hand, right? So rather than this passive thing that just lies there waiting for something or someone to do something to it it can grip and squeeze and pulse and they call it playing the flute right and that is the level of agility that every vagina is actually meant to be able to exert if we do these exercises and so I started using the jade egg like nearly 30 years ago had immediate success like in terms I didn't have any major problems but I would notice the difference and my partners would notice the difference like I would say, you know, a day of doing my exercises and they would be like, what's up with your vagina? Like it feels tighter or stronger or something like people notice it, especially the recipients of that exercise. <laughs> they notice it very quickly. And so I put all that together with the practices that I use from the Taoist lineage. And then this idea of using the egg and then began teaching that. And I would see immediate success with women where women who had 20 years of urinary incontinence would within one week of using the egg. So these were women who had to wear a pad to go jogging. They were afraid to get on the trampoline with their children that they might be leaking. One week of using the egg, gone right? Two decades worth of this issue. So I was like, all right, we got a winner, 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 turkey dinner. So I then began teaching it more like locally and then en masse when I began to take my work online. And part of what I teach and talk about this idea that your sexual energy is your creative energy. And so as a creative person, the more that we do these anyone can have access to their creativity. So the more that you do these practices to engage with and really inhabit your sexual energy and harness it, like I said, you begin to channel more and more of your true gifts, your voice, your energy, and your message as a human, as an individual, as a soul here in this lifetime out into the world. And so I've had so much fun over the years coming up with different campaigns to market my work. And 
then I came up with, we were shooting a video actually for vaginal weightlifting. And we, we were, I wanted to lift a whole bunch of garden gnomes with my vagina. Like I just had this thing I wanted to do, right? So I was driving all over town, getting all these garden gnomes. <laughs> like, so we shot the video and then the end, the video, I don't know, I didn't, it didn't feel right. Right. And I was like, we can't, we can't release this. I don't like the tone of it, but I, with the garden gnomes, I got this inspiration. You know that meme where people will steal a garden gnome from someone's lawn and then they will travel all over the world with it and they will take photos of it and they will send photos back to the person who owns the garden gnome as this hilarious kind of joke, right? Like your garden gnome is seeing the world. And so people don't know like who's taken their gnome. Is it ever coming back? Like, why are they in Italy right now? You know? And so I was like, it just this inspiration of like, okay, I'm going to travel the world, lift objects with my vagina, hashtag it, things I lift with my vagina, and there'll be objects that are indigenous to various regions. And so, you know, lifting a Murano glass chandelier in Venice, Italy, lifting all kinds of tropical fruit, mangoes, papayas, coconuts in Bali. Um, I lifted a piece of the Berlin Wall at the Berlin Wall in Germany, which I've now dubbed the Great Wall of Vagina. And so so all of that, you know, totally, it just went bonkers, like super viral, people loved it. And, you know, I think the world was just ready for more of a, a deeper dive into sexuality, and that my way of presenting it is really fun and playful and interesting, <laughs> original, that it just caught fire. And so that though, what is what I say, the proof is in the pudding, like to come up with those ideas, I say they're coming from my vagina, right? They're coming from my sexual orgasmic creative energy. And that's what I'm putting out into the world. And that is what is igniting people, right? The spirit of that energy, this spirit of like playfulness and creativity and fun is what is helping to inspire people to do that work themselves, right? So I'm not running around saying, hey, ladies, you don't have to pee your pants so much if you do this work, you know, which is not quite as enticing uh, a headline, right? But with me lifting whatever, whatever crazy stuff I've lifted over the years, surfboards and chandeliers and was it like anything? You start off small and then the muscle just builds like you're at the gym. Yeah. Start to lift. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I wouldn't recommend that people go and lift coffee tables right off the bat, right? Like the way that I teach it is a very gentle, slow, gradual way of developing those muscles. But it's not just doing the exercises, right? Like the way that I teach what I call vaginal kung fu is all about learning and rehabilitating that relationship with our sexuality and our vagina our breasts, all of our reproductive organs, and really tapping into that power, because those are our reproductive, creative energy centers in our body. And as women, if we are disconnected from them, we are cut off from a massive power source. And so all of the work that I do is holistic and that it's not just exercises, it's mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic, and yes, I give exercises, but they're not going to be as effective if people aren't also doing that accompanying deeper inner work. Wow. And so aside from incontinence, do using yoni eggs and doing these Kegel exercises also help with your sexual pleasure? 
Absolutely. Like most women have numb vaginas, right? Most women just default to clitoral orgasms or don't think penetration is that important because they can't feel very much in their vaginas. And if you can't feel much, you, you know, when it comes to sex, you'd be like, oh, I can take it or leave it. Or you buy into the mythology that there's only clitoral orgasms, which is not true. And I always say the better stuff is in the vagina. The good stuff is in the vagina. And so when you wake up the vagina, you have much more pleasure, sensation, you increase your orgasmic potential, you're able to lubricate much more easily, you can ejaculate much more easily, you have much more sensation and pleasure. So your libido goes up because now that sex is so much more ecstatic, you want to have more of it. You can give your man a hand job with your vagina. You, yes, you prevent and eliminate your urinary incontinence. You can help with pelvic organ prolapse as well. So the benefits are myriad right and it can happen from just three to four times a week 10 to 15 minutes a day a day three to four times a week and you'll have these benefits wow. incredible <laughs> I'm and, and so in terms of you, you speak about waking up your vagina is this the only way that you can do this or what are the tips that you have um, for those out there who would like to wake up their vagina yeah I think on that actually we have so many people that whenever we put a question box up or anything like that that can't have um vaginal penetrative or orgasms yeah, penetrative yeah. orgasm that they just yeah clitoral orgasm and that's kind of it and they they everybody just like you said, seems settled in the fact that, oh yeah, some people just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly the the misinformation, right? Like the, the idea that, look, only some women can have them and some women can't. And when I work with women, sometimes by me promising them that everyone can and guaranteeing that everyone can, they'll go home that very night and have their first G-spot orgasm because they told them they could, right? And they believed me, where in the past, they might have tried a little bit, didn't have much success, and they just gave up and said, oh, I guess I'm just one of those women, right? or their partners had the same idea. And so that's number one. And then also that these deeper vaginal orgasms are so much more comprehensive, right? And so one of the biggest factors that separates the girls from the women or the clitoris from the vagina is the idea of being able to really open up and surrender and let go. And so if a woman is being even physically stimulated in the right way, if she's not able to trust herself, trust her partner and really let go, drop her guard, be vulnerable, she won't get there. And so in all of these so-called, you know, scientific studies, they never take that into account, right? They just think if you, you know, apply the same physical stimulation to multiple women and they don't have these orgasms, it means some women just can't do it, right? And that's not the case. Like, you know, it's a huge factor is the level of openness that they have, connectedness they have, if they've got prior sexual trauma that has been dealt if they had an argument with their partner at breakfast time and they haven't cleared up cleared that up all of that stuff shows up in their vaginas and in their bedrooms so another great tool in addition to using a yoni egg is yoni massage and so that's not 
I did I differentiate that from just self-pleasuring with the idea that yoni massage is about vaginal reconnaissance, going into the vagina with the idea of getting to know, getting connected to, clearing, waking up, activating the vagina, and just the way you massage even a sore muscle, right, that you feel a knot in and you're giving that lots of attention and trying to work that out. <laughs> That's what we're doing in the vagina and getting to know ourselves or having it done by a partner. And I've got some great videos up on YouTube about yoni massage and um, benefits of the jade egg as well but those are two really good tools for women to bridge that gap of numbness and dissociation that most women have right whether they are having you know they've got old experiences that they haven't really processed that linger in their energy field and in these tissues or the beliefs that they've taken on over the years, like all of that stuff shows up in the body. And this is where my holistic perspective is really significant because in the allopathic world, they might just say, well, you've got tight vagina syndrome or you have non-orgasmic syndrome or, you know, they, they don't even know what the fuck it is or how you got it, but they make up, I call it Volvo bullshitia, right? This sort of <laughs> umbrella label for all of this stuff that they have no idea what it is, how you got it or how to fix it, right? And it's more just band-aid central where my work is, no, let's listen and honor the body and try to figure out what's happened here because that's my point. Every single woman can get to this place of multi-orgasmic ping pong ball shooting bliss but she needs to do that deeper inner work wow <laughs> that's amazing I think so many people will be so excited um to hear about that oh, I can just imagine like all our listeners after listening to this going home <laughs> that night and, yeah checking out your yoni massage video speaking of just a little side topic in terms of your marketing on YouTube and Instagram, do you often find that in the sexual wellness space, um, you come up against lots of like account disablings or like how do you get around um, being being flagged by the system on these different social media platforms? Has that been a challenge for you at all? Oh, look, I think that the days of organic reach, if you are in any way controversial, whether that's questioning the system in you know a socio-political way or the sexual realm that there's going to be a degree of algorithmic fucking with or shadow banning or whatever right and then you're just kind of I think riding a line of like I have an automatic unfollow of my account of anywhere from 500 to a thousand people every week it's like they've just built that into my account. That's, those many people aren't unfollowing me, right? They're just building it in. And people have talked to me about how they have followed me and they're like, I'm not following you anymore. And I'm like, imagine that, you know, they've been removed as followers. So I think it's really just, you know, I just keep on going um, and putting my work out there. Like my work isn't, I don't think my work is that explicit, you know, um, it's, I, I talk about certain things and obviously the overall concept is around sex, but, and wellness, but it's not, you know, I, I still think it's tasteful and within bounds, but according to sort of, I mean, look, this brings up another topic that I, you know, why is sex so censored? 
right? And I would say that it's because it really is a power source and it's a way of true empowerment. And when people are in touch with their sexual energy, they become unstoppable. And when they are cut off from their sexual energy, they're operating at a deficiency. And so my view is to just keep going and putting my truth and my voice out into the world and coming up with all of these ideas and fun ways to promote my work. And, you know, whoever needs to find me will find me, right? But, you know, I started, um, I mean, yeah, like I definitely noticed back years ago when I think organic reach was still a thing where the, the internet still was kind of a democratic place, meaning you were merit-based and awarded for what you did rather than struggling against all of these algorithms where my growth would be exponential. And then there was a point definitely where I recognized that that was being cut off. That being said, I still managed to reach you know, a lot of people and people find my programs and sign up for them. And so things are still happening, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's happened in many realms, right? And many truther communities where these people are just being silenced. If you have anything to say that's too life-changing, like that seems to be the go of it. If you're very neutral and vanilla and very not life-changing, I guess you could say, then those people are fine. They're no threat, you know, to the system. Do you find um, you get a lot of like mainly people contacting you that have an issue or is the majority kind of just seeing what you do and wanting to improve their sex life and kind of come to you for that reason? It's a mixture of people who would might, might identify a problem, right? Um, and they want to remedy that. And then there you have people who smaller percentage for sure have an amazing sex life you know the way they see it but feel like there's always still something to learn right and so they find some element of my work that draws them in to be like oh I want to learn how to give an amazing lingo massage right and so they sign up for that and then people who just don't know what they don't know right so they may not even know that they have an issue but they come across my work and the way that I talk about sex and intimacy is really different than anything they've seen before and it, it just resonates like something within them is like oh you know I always knew that sex in, in some intuitive fashion was meant to be this more holistic spiritual empowering rejuvenating experience but no one had really presented it to them like that before and so then they get drawn in that way um, and I think because my work again is holistic people who are in the wellness field and they've applied a different kind of conscious awareness to other areas of their life like from diet exercise spirituality and they're like oh I could apply that same lens to sexuality and then again they find my work and I'm speaking that language and offering those kind of tools for healing and evolution in the sexual realm that match more of the energy of other work that they've been doing personally to really deepen themselves and get to know themselves amazing and so holistic sex work is one part of what you do but then you also have this relationship coaching um side of what you do what does that look like is it always about sex is it just about relationships in general what is the most common problem that people um, want to have solved or is it like you say is it just about enhancing what they already have well 
it's all connected, right? Like to me, you know, over the years, people have come to me and told me that they've gone to see a relationship therapist and they've been told, oh, look, you know, I don't talk, I don't deal with sex. They just talk about relationships. And I find that mind blowing because how could you not see them as being entwined, right? Like the main distinguishing factor of your intimate relationship is the fact that you have sex with that person, right? That's for most people, not something they're doing with a multitude of other people. So it's a pretty important piece of the relationship. So it's always connected, right? So whenever, so this example that I gave about, let's say a couple has an argument at breakfast time, right? And so they don't have time to fully process it and discuss it, or maybe they don't, maybe their pattern is just to sweep it under the carpet and go forward and not ever really resolve anything. You know, they're both avoidant. And starting to rain here very hard. Can you guys hear that? No, no. it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, um, so they're very avoidant. And so they go to bed that night and they decide to have sex and they find that she's not very wet or she's not feeling, you know, very desirous. He's maybe struggling to have an erection, but they don't connect that to the fact that they had this disconnect that wasn't reconnected from earlier in the day. And so that's an immediate short-term experience, but there could be decades worth of those experiences that have built up over time with that couple that's affecting them in bed. And most people, like I said, would never make that correlation that their lack of feeling emotionally connected and intimate and safe with each other, that they really trust each other, that they're open their hearts to each other, you know, is the, is the same experience of opening up their genitals, opening up their bodies. And so they don't connect those. So my job is to look for those places where people have shut down within themselves and or to their partner. I talk a lot about the concept and importance of radical honesty, right? Really being open and keeping these communication lines open with your partner. Um, and that's an ongoing task right? To keep that clear and open and flowing between the two of you. And if you do that, then that shows up as clear and open and flowing in bed. So you can't separate the two. And that's why I laugh and roll my eyes when I hear about a relationship therapist who won't talk about sex because I can't even wrap my head around it, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't does make it? sense. Yeah, you're right. No, that absolutely <laughs> doesn't make sense. But I guess it comes back to the idea that not everyone, you know, society as a whole probably doesn't, well, we know they don't all feel comfortable um, talking about it. So I guess it flows through in a lot of different ways. One other question I've just thought of that our audience kind of what they want to, and another thing that comes through our social media quite a bit with squirting. So you say that female ejaculation can be hit the roof. <laughs> but one thing I see come through all the time is that people are like, oh, I can't squirt, can't squirt. And then once they do, or the people commenting that they can, um then it's like a oh don't don't try and do it because once you do it you won't be able to stop like it's just a mess every time we get quite a bit of that is that actually a thing or is it just something that your body knows how to do it once you kind of figure like once that you out start, you can't stop yeah mm. 
Do you mean like you like it so much that you don't want to stop or that your body just okay, like starts all over the place uncontrollably? <laughs> oh no, I mean that like then every time they have sex, they squirt. So they make like a big mess every single time and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. Like, <laughs> well, look, I think if you are in the realm of squirting and it's something you like to do, you have to prepare then, right? So you have a pile of towels by your bed that you use. There's squirting mats that are available now that you can get that you place on the bed that are, I don't know, yeah. neoprene or some kind of like absorbent material. We were thinking about making some at one point. Um, but yeah, you did is part of the territory. And there was um, a couple I knew and they, she was a prolific squirter, right? And they would have arguments about this because it was like, they'd be out camping and she would just decimate the tent, you know, and then like somebody would have to clean up the mess and who was going to clean up the mess. And, you know, it was like kind of a good argument to have, but it was a bit of a thing. Oh, like, you know, I just did all the laundry sort of thing. But seriously, go out and buy a stack of towels, have them by your bedside and throw them on the bed or have sex outside or have it in the bathtub or the shower you know just go yeah. with it right Is like that most the whole thing though that when your body learns how to do it it just kind of um does it naturally from then on type of thing or not, not necessarily like for some people they they achieve it once or twice and they don't really know how to get back there again they don't know how to recreate all the factors that made that happen and then I mean it's a very it's a specific place that you have to stimulate so most women aren't just gonna be having sex and then squirting everywhere like you have to stimulate the g-spot g-zone area that's where these ducts and glands are located that then produce this liquid so it's usually not super random um you generally have some control over when it's gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, we actually get it quite a lot coming through the DMs. How about we touch on, like I mentioned in the intro, the different types of orgasm. Could you give us a little rundown um, of each each different type for our listeners and perhaps how to get there briefly um, or otherwise just so, just so they know? Yeah, know the difference, I guess. Well, um, there's all kinds of different orgasms and for women in the genital area, I guess I would say clitoral orgasm, G-spot, an ejaculatory orgasm, cervical orgasm, they can have analgasms, nipplegasms, energy orgasms, full body orgasms, think, you know, across the planet orgasms, um, <laughs> a lot of them, I'd say for men, prostate orgasms as well. So there's a lot. And, you know, the main ones like vulva, vaginally speaking, would be clitoris, g-spot and cervix and so the clitoral orgasm you know the most common of the species and most most women are able to have it um but i think it gets confusing when people think that you need to have intercourse to have you want to even look at sort of common literature have an orgasm and it's like well what kind of orgasm are you talking about right like are you talking about a clitoral or I mean I think generally that's what they are talking about and so you know that to me that's the easiest orgasm to have for most women they can have it usually in a variety of situations whether you know that idea of being close and connected to your partner applies less to a clitoral orgasm like it's a more physical experience 
experience more, I would say, even superficial. And I think it's good to use with, um, I sometimes will stimulate my clitoris in what I call my coffee breaks, where I don't do coffee, I do orgasms. And so during the day, I'll take a little break. And this is something I teach to people as well. And go and stimulate yourself and do some breathing exercises to move that energy around and then come back to work. And it's a pick me up, right? You're using your sexual energy as a boost in your life, boosting your physical energy, your mental capacity and your focus and your creativity. And then with the G spot, that's also the area where squirting and ejaculation comes from, but that can be separate. So you can have a G-spot orgasm separate from ejaculation or squirting, or they can be connected as well. And that's two inches or so inside the vagina on the anterior side, and generally characterized by that come hither sort of hooking motion in that area. But again, this is one of the more in-depth um, experiences that if somebody isn't feeling open, if they're not really able to trust and to let go, to let go of control, then all the correct finger motion in the world won't bring on that orgasm. So that's where it becomes much more important to be like I said, connected to herself, connected to her partner, where she feels that level of openness and trust. Cervical orgasms are even deeper, and so they require another level deeper. And in the Taoist reflexology um, philosophy, they talk about the cervix being the heart point for women. And so a woman to have a cervical orgasm really needs to have an open heart. And so that to me is more like really being in love with your partner, right? These internal orgasms are much less likely to show up in casual sex situations and wine night stands. Like they, they can, but usually the level of openness and surrender that a woman would have to have to get there is typically cultivated in a longer term, trusting, you know, built up over time type relationship. And so cervical orgasms are the kind of, I just saw God type orgasm. These are, I describe the life-changing, essential good fuck medicine orgasms for women that really, because the cervix is connected the vagus nerve in the body which is considered to be the most spiritual nerve in the body goes all the way up from there to the crown chakra this energy channel goes all the way up to the crown chakra and so that's why women get this experience of spiritual ecstasy transcendence oneness you know feeling at one with the universe with their partner with themselves and the effects of these orgasms last four days right where this reverberation of bliss and ecstasy and feeling really centered, really feeling like the best version of yourself. And that's why I say that these are so important for women, right? Where someone else might be like, oh, they're there. It's okay if you don't have these orgasms. It's all right. There's other good ones out there. Don't feel bad about it. I'm like, no, it's really fucking important, actually. Like, not to shame anyone for not having it. You know, that's never my, my angle. But to say these are really important for your life. And so, yes, I guarantee that you can have them. So let's figure out how to get you there because they are one of the best and most powerful spiritual growth tools that you can use. Like self-realization brings you into yourself. 
And so that's why I'm such a massive proponent of them. And so much of my work revolves around opening up and unlocking the vagina through the jade egg and the yoni um, massage work and all this other like other block clearing stuff that I teach in my salons to help people get to those places because the reward is epic. Right. And every woman ought to be having a steady diet of these orgasms. I love that. A steady diet of orgasms. That's so (laughs) great. And before we got on the podcast, you mentioned the term being a well-fucked woman. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Right. So in my definition, a well-fucked woman is a woman who is really owning and inhabiting her sexual energy. So it's not just the idea of having lots of sex, but having lots of this really, I call it gourmet sex, as opposed to say junk food sex, that this really deep, enriching, life-changing, lots of vaginal orgasm type sex. And so what happens is that when a woman is being fed and nourished that way, it changes the way she interacts in the world. She's more confident. She's more sure of herself. She's more attractive. Like people just pick up on this energy about her. Like I have stories all the time of women who go fuck themselves, right? Because that's my advice is go fuck yourself. And so they'll have a really powerful self-pleasuring experience, let's say in the evening and the next day they go to town, they're pumping gas at the petrol station, they're in sweats, their hair is tied back and some guy comes barreling across the parking lot to ask for her phone number, right? And she's like, what? Like, why? You know, she's not at all out to present herself, right? She's more like, don't look at me. You know what I mean? Not even don't look at me, but she just doesn't care. She's just in herself doing her thing. And I hear that all the time. And it's they're radiating this power, this vital, sexual, creative, life force power. They're now wearing that energy. It is radiating out of them because of the way they've been go fucking or love making themselves, right? They're learning how to really get in touch with this energy, to harvest this energy, recirculate it in their system. And now they're these magnetic, radiant, really compelling, you know, visions that people just, like they don't even know what it is necessarily, right? They're just attracted to it, magnetized to it. And so that's a real hallmark of being well-fucked is wearing your sexual energy in that way. And that can happen if you're a single person, if you're a couple, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that you're well-fucked. Even if you're having daily sex, I would say still doesn't mean you're well-fucked. If you're having a really more superficial junk food sex, race to the finish line, kind of bust out an orgasm and pass out that's the lower use I would say or you know just not that um elevated use of sexuality and again I'm not making a judgment about that my barometer here is does sex give you energy make you want to go to the gym make you feel rejuvenated and like a better part of yourself or does it make you pass out (laughs) like that's my barometer for this for doing this and so being well fucked is you know, and that applies to men as well. This certain je ne sais quoi, radiance, charisma, energy that then people begin to radiate out and people pick up on. And as that person, you feel more in tune with life. You feel more in tune with yourself. You own yourself. And one of the biggest hallmarks of being well-fucked is that you don't give a fuck anymore what people think. You don't give a shit what people think about you. It doesn't even hit you. You become impervious because you are so 
grounded in your own self and your own energy that, you know, other pings that come your way, they just bounce off you or go over your head, you become impervious to the opinions and I, you know, of other people, you don't give a shit, right? You are you, you're in your own power and strength and you go out into the world that way. That's being well thought. I love that. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking, gosh, I think Vivian, our next work trip needs to be over to one of your. <laughs> yeah. How can people work with you, Kim? Well, I have all of my work is really funneled into online programs. And so I have a number of different, I call them salons, and these are eight to 10 week programs that take place online. Vaginal Kung Fu, Coming Together for Couples, The Well-Fucked Woman, Sexual Mastery for Men, and Sexy Mama, which is a holistic pregnancy and orgasmic birth class. And so all of these are a series of videos that people watch, and then we have home play assigned. And then a few days later, we follow up with a live Q&A call. And then there's all kinds of resources and community and breakout sessions that we have that are all connected to that. So that is how I interact with people for the most part these days is via these classes. So that's kimonami.com. They're called sexual savant salons. And that's where I teach the deeper level of this stuff. And last question, you mentioned orgasmic birth. I mean, I've heard about it before, but lightly just touching on that, is that something that you believe can happen for everyone as well? I 100% do. And that this is what birth was meant to be, the culmination of the sexual act, right? The ultimate culmination of it in birth. And so this is getting more and more known now because the allopathic OBGYN system of surgical, um, you know, invasive crisis oriented birth is an actual I would say sacrilege of really what birth is meant to be for women, which is the most beautiful, opening, surrendered, orgasmic, pleasurable experience of her life. And the fact that, you know, it is what it is in the Western world and other parts of the world is so far off of what it was really meant to be. And so that's why I created this class is to also share that information with people that look, birth is like another orgasm. Okay. Like add that to the list of orgasms as a <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sitting here like how did I not find you years back um and now you just make me want another kid just so I can having another kid when you know this information right especially like some people come out of a more like standard birth experience okay and some people come out really literally butchered right like and we're told that that's normal it's normal to have your baby surgically removed from you and I argued that it's really not you know there might be a fraction of emergencies that call for that but it's nothing close to what we're being told is necessary and so I would say again that the default and that I guarantee that every woman can have this is a pleasurable blissful no pain birth experience holy joe's gonna have another baby now yeah. there you go <laughs> love it She's i'm just, just i'm just like yeah no too old 
No, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Kim. Um, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to leave a rating and a review. We'll be giving out vibes um, every week to the creative reviews. Um, but thank you once again. And you're just Kim Anami on Instagram. And I highly recommend everyone go and check out your account because it's so informative and interesting. So great to talk to you. Excellent. And you can also check out my Orgasmic Enlightenment podcast. And then my YouTube video has tons of additional free content as well. Incredible. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. Thank you.